Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, 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 this is my first Bomb Diaries podcast since the last one you did that I haven't put out yet. And so that's where we're at right now. I'm the king of recorded podcasts that aren't out yet. That's true. <laughs> and that's not just episodes. No, it's full on shows. Series. I got I got seasons stacked away. I'm waiting to build uh like my own Netflix. I just got to release all the content. Yeah, you're going to be once. like Tupac. If you ever get murdered, you've got so much content <laughs> that I can release posthumously yep. and not give to your family at all. I have. Uh, I just did one of our buddies' podcasts two weeks ago now, I think, and it was like a whole two-hour thing. Oh, was that Boydston? Yeah, it was like a whole two-hour thing. And yeah. I don't know what happened to it. You know? <laughs> I think it's out. Let's see, let's race to get it out. I don't know who's who's is coming out. I did a two hour podcast with another one of our friends that was a really good idea, and that was two two months and change ago. And I haven't heard anything about that as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Really good podcast idea, which you don't hear new ideas lately, or or just in general anymore. Yeah. The idea was, he sits you down and he tells you about a conspiracy theory. And, oh, I already know who this is. Yeah, and walks you through the steps of it, and. It's usually a, a series of steps. Each one is more kind of crazy than the next. And so, and then talks about the different factions that believe, like how far these different groups believe based on where you fall on the scale. That actually is a good idea. Great a idea, good idea, right? Yeah. We had a great episode and a good time. And it might not ever see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. we There's so much unreleased stuff. Yeah. Right. It's just, I probably have like 20, 30 hours of just oh, recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I've got 40 minutes of sketch on this phone that may never see the light of day. It will one day when we die. When we die, someone yeah. will put it together, and somebody then, will find and it. Then people put will together, start to view it. Put together with our luck, it, that's the only thing that they'll play at our funerals. All the unreleased. All the unreleased. All the shitty stuff. And then everyone at the funeral is going to be like, "Yeah, they weren't that good. <laughs> I see why they didn't release that." I get it. I get. Mm-hmm. I get why they're Makes not sense here to with me. us anymore. So since last time we sat down and talked, long time, long time guest, basically co-host of the Bomb Diaries podcast you have started your own podcast that you've put out and it's already very successful at the start yeah it's uh, so we're going through a name change i think right now which it's is some, the time to do it there's some there's some red tape um my co-host is very demanding it's my daughter child <laughs> stars are difficult uh i sit down with her for yeah funny thing is we record probably 30 minutes so oh, you I just, do yeah i sit down with her and i just start talking to her and then she starts loosening up around minute 10 so i i have like kind of a a loose idea of what we're going to talk about and i try to put like the things i think are going to be funny towards the middle yeah because i have about five to ten minutes where she's actually into it it's like 10 minutes of like uh okay like i'm kind of shy and then 10 minutes of like i'm really into this and then 10 minutes of like okay dad like i'm, I'm over you <laughs> or she enough. just starts trailing off like crazy yeah. uh but it's been fun they're quick little five ten minute episodes of her explaining things to me and having conversation and it's a weird format to, yeah. talk, to to speak out loud uh about and try to promote but it's definitely it's been fun it's cool though it's real quick hitter f- father daughter yeah five th- ten minute type funny things. but sweet not 
not dirtbags like us. And it's actually funny. The cool thing is it, l- it allows me to sit down with my daughter for 30 minutes and just talk. Yeah. Which you don't, we never really did that. I mean, we, you would do things together, right? Like we go to, you know, before this whole pandemic, we'd go to the movies together, but it was always, we were doing something Yep. and it was like, let's just talk. I just want to see what happens. And it was actually her idea because we were packing up uh, a lot of things around the house and all the podcast equipment was out. And she's like, hey, can I can I play with that? And I was like, yeah, let's just talk. Let's just see what happens. And I threw it on, and she got a kick out of it. And we'll see. I'm doing about once a week right now. 30 minutes, edit down to about five. So she likes it. She, wa- she wants to perform, too. She's gotten up on stage already. Yeah. I try not to push. You but know? she likes like, it. Is that... Because I don't want to be like one of those parents no, that are you, just like... You can tell she loves it. And like, what's even better is she gets nervous when she's up there, too. She talks about it like crazy. We, I've taken her to open mics, and whoever's like the host will be you know, nice enough to give her one minute in front of my five minutes or yeah. whatever. Um, and for like the next week, all she does is talk about jokes, and she wants to tell me her joke, and she wants to hear my jokes, and... She'll repeat other jokes that she heard. And, that's cool. And that's actually something that for for me has caused some some problems, right? Because her mom isn't a big fan of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she isn't a big fan of me exposing her <laughs> to people talking about certain things. But sure. at the same time, I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. Like when she's 30, it's going to be like, hey, that was fun. And also... In a weird way, that's the best way for her to hear it instead of one of her classmates where she may not know you're not supposed to say that or like a weird thing in a casual context. She's hearing it from somebody on stage. That's cl- This is clearly not normal life. Yeah, for sure. It's a nice introduction. And it's cool because, the you know, before all this stuff hit, it was like the, the comics, the community, a pretty big part of my life, right? I see them. Yep two to three times a week minimum, right? We know each other. We know each other's kids. We know each other's lives, like all of that. So to me, it's like bringing her around really uh, really disturbed aunts and uncles is what it feels like. Um, and I talk about her a lot on stage, so it, I feel like it's cool for people to actually get to see her, like physically. There's something buzzing, and I can't tell what end it's I think it's, it's your on. mic. Which one, yours or mine? I think it's yours because whenever you move it like gives the static yeah how about now good okay. better yes it's been a while so yeah it's cool it's it's fun for her to come out and i can't wait to take her out i can't wait to just be out again yeah just you know not be at home all the time well good segue it's kind of the reason we got together today is that we've been on quarantine for four months now so it's been no stand-up comedy at all for four months, except for Zoom, which is none. Uh, Zoom, I mean, those I, I haven't done one. Have you done one yet? No. Uh-uh. So I know we're both on one here, or at least we were asked on one. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's the thing about people you love. You got to do it. You got to I mean, do it. We'll From do what it. I understand, they can, you can be recorded off of Zoom, too. Yeah. So not only is it a weird show where it won't go well, but It'll people be, can record your stuff and just pop it out. Yeah, and make fun of it. Like, I, I mean, to me, it's fine. It's, I guess it's better than nothing. I've but, got, it, you know, it still feels like... I've, I've got no humility left, yeah, so... <laughs> might as well. Yeah. Um, I don't. I guess it's just the, the instant feedback that you do or do not get whenever you're on stage. And right. that's going to be missing. And how do you... 
how do you make up for that, right? Because at least if you're failing, you know that you're failing and you're okay with that, right? It's not right. going to always shake out your way. But when you're failing and you can't tell because somebody's little light isn't going off on a coin. I don't know how Zoom works. I'm assuming it's yeah. not instant feedback, though. Um, that's going to be tough. And so the ones I've actually watched feel more like an interview. Feel oh, you more have like watched? A, I've watched. I've watched a couple just because I know... I know a couple buddies who were either on them or were hosting them. And just for the sake of like supporting, I would jump on and, you know, give, give it a listen for a little while, hang out for like one or two comics. And but maybe, it felt more like a podcast. And to maybe, and to maybe hate it from yeah, afar. Just like, oh, <laughs> just to sucks. figure out if I want to do it. Like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. No. I don't want to, I don't want to bomb from my kitchen. No. And then have to make a sandwich after that. Well, that's that's going to be the worst sandwich <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that's the thing is I, i've told you even though we've been off for four months there there are a lot of times that i look at and, and say number one the break has been good number two i don't i don't miss it like i can't i can't believe i can't do it right now i haven't felt like that i found some other ways to do something with the videos and all that's in this if i ever get back on it so i it hasn't been it hasn't been crushing to me for it to not be going on the only time it drives me crazy is when in the moment i get a premise idea in my head and i refuse to write because i'm like there's nowhere for me to workshop this unless i and i've been kicking around this idea too to make videos just about specific issues or topics or whatever and just do it like that um but when i get a premise in my head i don't write it further because i know i can't workshop it on stage and so the idea just kind of flutters through and sits. And you're right, we don't, we're not talking to 90% of our friends that we see all the time now. So the idea is just sit, I don't get to explore it anymore. It just sits there. It just yeah. sits in like the garage. Yeah. And it, it, it sucks because it's like you have all these ideas and, or maybe you just think you do. Maybe they're not great ideas, but it's something, right? It would be something that you would take up with you on stage. And I even start questioning the ideas. Because I'm like, am I just going stir crazy? Like, I feel like I'm getting all these ideas, yeah. but is it just because of the quarantine? Is it just because I haven't been on stage for a while that that's why I think that this is a good idea? And wh wh when am I going to do this? Right. Like, what am I, and what does that look like? And how long is it going to be? And how long do I have to keep all these things in the garage before they just, <laughs> you know, aren't great ideas anymore? And just an excuse to talk to someone about something weird. That's kind of yep. we're all outcasts anyway. And so I was weird my whole life growing up, but doing you've got you've got the excuse to just bring those things up and that makes it better. But now, you know, I talk to the same six people all the time. You I can do it with. Um some others I can do it with, but some others every time we talk it's going to be the same four things. What happened in high school, um the politics that I don't want to talk about. Uh, social issues that 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 is going to be pointless for us for me and this person to talk about, and then just to, and then just gossiping about people from back home, and that's it. And that's it. So I, I'm just I go through those conversations on autopilot, and my freak friends I, I'm not in touch with anymore. And the, I, do you think that maybe everybody only talks about four things, and maybe it's just how into those four things or connected to those four things you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, th I I sometimes I waver back and forth. I don't know if it's that most people talk about four things, 
or most people think they can only talk to most people about four things. That's a, that's a good point. And then they've got a core group that they that they talk about all kinds of shit with, and they don't know why they don't get along with the others more. I guess for us it might it because being around comics, I mean, when you think of what stand up comedy is, it is all over the place, right? So sometimes I wonder. Even if conversations with other comics goes all over the place, right. are we still talking about the same thing, which is comedy, yeah. right? It's just your version, my version, whatever. We're all over the map because yeah. that's what this is, but it all falls under the same umbrella of this is what I would do on stage or this is – you're used to me like this because this is, I mean, not necessarily who I am on yeah. stage, but a version it's of – It's in the same prism. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why because – I've watched. I was actually watching a, a Seinfeld thing where he, what is it, the cars and comedians, comedians and cars, and cars getting coffee. And one of the one of the kind of uh, one thing that comes up a lot is when he's talking to an actual stand-up comic, um, not a writer, but an actual stand-up comic is, is something that comes up frequently. Is yeah, I can only talk to other comics. <laughs> yeah, like I feel more at home talking to comics than literally anybody else. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. I don't even give non-comics a chance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it is. It's those four things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're gonna talk about those, you know, weather. I don't food. even. Yep, I don't even give them a chance to surprise me most of the time because you just you know where it's gonna go. You know what I can talk to other people about though is the thing that they want to talk about. If you're right? into something, I'm into it. Yep. Whatever it is, like, oh, you're really into... Unless it's Frisbee. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, we know people who paint. We know people who are really into photography, uh, who can talk about it probably for hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love the passion. That's what gets me. Uh, But at the same time, I don't understand the specifics, but I get that they're into something and that's cool. You know what pisses me off and shuts me down, though? What's that? Is when you talk to somebody who's like, who tells you they're into that. And you know this, like we, we do comedy with people who they think they're into comedy. It, that's what I was going to say. But we know they're gonna... not into comedy. Yep. There's nothing worse than when you talk to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I'm into photography. I, I, I'm, I'm super into it. I know everything about it. And you talk to them and you realize they've Googled four things. And that's all they know. That that's all they know. And you're like, you, I'm extra angry at that person because I know how switched on I get with things I like. And I, 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 I'm the same way. If you're super into something and know it well, I can't wait to hear you talk about it. Or just let it live on its own. Yep. Like, but don't pr- try to pretend like your thing is like my thing, right? Like, I know a guy who, uh, actually, I don't know him, but I mean, I'm just going to use an example. So you do magic, right? That's <laughs> not comedy. Like, it is performing. Okay. I give you that. It's performing. Yeah. Or you do, you do something like a band, right? Oh, okay. You're in a band. You're you're performing, but my thing and your thing aren't necessarily no, the same. Or improv. I even feel the same th- the same way about improv. Like <laughs> it's kind of like in this. Yeah. You know, it's you know, I it's would, in the same town. I just had a conversation about this recently, and I tread lightly um, when I say this, but I was having a conversation with somebody who was a, a former soldier, or I, I, I guess a, an army veteran. A no-limit soldier? A no-limit soldier. <laughs> mystical. You were talking about It was Master mystical. P. It was Master P. Yeah. <laughs> and he was touting some things. And just from, we know a lot of veterans. Yeah, we actually do. And what I know, and you know from speaking to these vet- veterans, is that in that community... 
there are also subsections of you were you were in it and then a section of you were in it in it like yeah. we, we know people who put gasoline in in vehicles and we knew people who were on the front lines like special forces big time big time and those are two very very different things now compared to us they both did the same thing but when you get in those ranks those are two very different things the strange part is the people who the people who guarded South Carolina are oftentimes more vocal than the people who were in Ramadi on the front lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's oftentimes the case. Agreed. And and it's the list. It's the list. You can sign up on a list, but that doesn't mean what you're gonna that we're doing the same thing. We're it's, just on the same list. It's why when you start doing comedy, you rarely take the advice you get first. Whoever comes to you first for advice, it's sometimes a bad sign that they came to you yeah so so vocally so quickly i find i I actually i try to think i try to think i was like do i give advice i don't think i do but yeah it's the same thing it's like if if you want to talk about improv or magic or collecting baseball cards or whatever you're into i'm into that let's talk about that but don't try to make your thing my thing because it's not. It's not even close. We, we could talk about my thing. Do you have a best story of somebody comedy adjacent who d- who has done comedy and it went off the rails? Yeah. I've got one about a magician I don't know if I ever told you about. Um, a comedy magician. But I would love to hear your story if you already have it. Yeah, so mine was uh, actually so comedy adjacent would be improv. Okay. Right. Um, and what I will say is, I think the two crowds, so an improv crowd and a stand-up comedy crowd, um, I think a improv crowd is a lot nicer to a stand-up comic coming in and doing stand-up comedy than a stand-up comedy crowd if somebody tried to come in and do improv. Have you seen that happen? Yes, I've seen oh, it happen. Please tell. And so it happened. Uh, this actually happened. Oh man, it was maybe eight nine years ago. I dropped into a an improv show that we were have that somebody was having down the street from a stand up comedy show that I was running, and so we thought it would be cool because we had a lot of comics that were driving up from L.A. and driving up from different areas that they just want time. They don't care where it's at, you right. know. And so when they got off of our show one of the other people who was doing improv at the other show had kind of reached out and said, hey, if those guys actually want to come over and do a set oh, okay. um, after the show, after they're done with their, you know, after the set there at your show, we'll have them and they can do stand-up comedy in between because they were actually looking for somebody who would be in between while they changed <laughs> or did whatever it is that they did, right? Whatever, you know intermission not uh, not to break you up but i've never actually gone and seen an improv show i've only watched whose line is it anyway when i was a kid but i've got a very i just realized i have a very distinct image in my head of what an improv show is and it's just like seven people on stage and like three or four of them running around in a circle going whoa (laughs) it's not far off that's almost exactly what it no (laughs) your pitch is higher than it normally no um it, what I will say is improv is is its own skill, right? Like yeah. it's its own thing and it's I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure it's very fruitful and fun for the people that do it. It's just not my thing. Yep. Um but 
what happened is all these comics went over to the improv show and they loved it, right? The crowd was like into it because cool. it's because it, it's comedy, right? That's all they see is it's comedy. This is just a different form of comedy. Um, well, as it turns out, one of the improv guys who was actually putting on the show who wasn't there, that was like his troop, but he wasn't there that night. Um, he had actually reached out to me like the next day and was like, hey, you, your guys came over to our show and they were like cussing and it was a family friendly show. And, and I was like, hey, I get that. I understand that. But also we didn't invite ourselves. Your guys reached out and and the crowd liked it. Yeah. Like it was fun, right? Maybe there's one who went a little overboard, but uh, you know, for the most part, it was fun. So I extended an olive branch and I said, "Hey, we're gonna have another show next month. You're more than welcome to come." And and what I said is, "You're more than welcome to come and do do some comedy, right?" I should have been more specific about no. that, right? No, I should have been a little more. No, you're more than welcome <laughs> to come and do stand up comedy, yeah. right? Um, and so he he's up like second or third in a in a lineup of like five or six and winnable spot yeah it's a good spot right and it might have been summer so the only thing you're really up against is it's probably a little bit lighter outside and the place had windows and it you know all that stuff but um you see stand-up comic you see stand-up comic and then you see a guy who's like hey give me a color what's your favorite vacation spot um you tell me a scenario and I'll pretend that whatever you're yelling at me is inside this box with me. And it's like, were you hosting? Wait, no, actually I was just running that day. So I was just running the show. I wasn't hosting. I wasn't on the show. Just running. Did anybody tell the crowd they were about to see an improv person? No, of course. Not. Amazing. Why would we have done that? Why would we have done that? <laughs> Why would we have done that? Um, but it was funny because it's, I, and I hadn't even thought about it. I probably thought, of, thought about it a little bit that night, but I mean, kind of looking at back at it now and it has nothing to do with the you know he might be a great improv right but it's just the fact that when you come to a stand-up comedy show people are expecting one thing where i think if you go to an improv show you're just expecting comedy like you don't care if it's stand-up right. so you and so but a stand-up comedy crowd's like no get that shit out of here man like yeah. we don't want it we don't want to throw ideas at you um, and just kind of being a little bit more green then is I shouldn't have had him on the show because period, you just don't want to get audiences in the habit of yelling things out during a stand up comedy show. Uh -huh. Right. Um, so he totally just bombed Ate it. Right. Nobody wanted to yell anything out. That's not what they were there for. They were to hear you tell me what you think. I'm here to hear you. Right. Um, but it was just like, okay, th can we agree? This isn't the same thing. Like, it's just not, it's Two just not things. even close. Yeah. Jason. It's a Jason is what Jason. it is. It's a Jason. What but about they, you? They don't belong in, in the, it's not in the same world. Well, comedy and magic have walked hand in hand for some reason for a long time. <laughs> There's a comedy and magic club. There's a comedy and magic club. Hermosa Beach. That I don't know anything about. I won't, I've heard things about it, but don't really know anything about it. But I've run into a number of comedy magicians. <laughs> <laughs> The the people that we run into, <laughs> the people that you meet is amazing. Imagine, did you have uh, any boy in your life think you'd ever say, I run into a lot of I know magicians. <laughs> I, there's a few things that comedy has brought to me that I never thought I would say. One is that, is that I know a lot of comedy magicians. <laughs> I run into them. It, it, benef it benefits and detriments your life in ways that you would never expect. 
I know a lot of comedy magicians. I mean, more than enough. And I know at least 12 people who are Facebook friends with Lou Bega, Mambo Number 5 creator, hmm. because of comedy. Because one comedian found him, and then, and then a dozen of his friends found him at least. Just because they thought it'd be funny? or He because... thought it'd be a goof, and Lou Bega, I guess, needs friends these days, so he added them, and before <laughs> you know it, Lou Bega's got so many comedian friends that he and I have 12 mutual friends. Oh, so he keeps showing up, and you keep seeing him. Pop he, up on your Facebook. He's always on the people you may know. Yeah, of course. I've thought about adding him, but haven't haven't taken the plunge. Yeah, yet. because you don't want to get you don't want that to sit in the in the pending for five months. And I want to be a free agent. Yeah, you know, you you, you click me. Yeah, exactly you right. Click me. Maybe he will. Maybe a little bit of Christopher. And the in funny thing life. is, is you know that they see you. It's almost like a chicken match. Yes. Right? Because it's like, I know you see me you know what? on your Facebook page because I see you on mine. I should change my profile picture to me with a top hat and a zoot suit. <laughs> 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 and, then just, and then in text above go, a little bit of Christopher <laughs> in my life. You might get blocked. I might get blocked. By me. <laughs> <laughs> the best comedy magician thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've seen a lot. We've talked about the giant sword swallower before. Yeah. A George, man with gigantism who George, swallows swords. George the Giant. George the Giant. Who was, was alive. You tried to kill him. He's in uh he's in the movie Big Fish. Is he? Yeah, he's in the movie Big Fish. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. There George. is a giant in the movie Big Fish, but are you sure it's him? Yeah, George the Giant. He's in the movie Big Fish. Okay, I'll take your word for he's it. He's local, right? Local yeah, dude. he yeah. lives. He's from Bakersfield. He was yeah, on America's Got Talent. That's all I know. Yeah, he was also like a bouncer and he, a lot of odd jobs. But yeah, he was in the movie. That Big show Fish. bothers the piss out of me. It, you know what's weird is, do you hear more than anything? I hear people that come up to me, not just random people. I mean, people I know. Uh, it's the same people who would be like, "Hey, don't write about this in your routine, right?" Or, "Hey, I bet you get a lot of material from work." Or, "Hey, I bet you get a lot of material from yeah. coworkers, whatever, yeah. right?" Um, I think more than any, more than anything, and it's weird to me. I just maybe don't realize how popular the show is. Is people are like, "Hey, you should go on America's Got Talent," and I'm like, "Why have I, like is I don't know is less comic standing not a thing anymore? Like, why am I being?" Like, is that a big show? I don't know, but I, yeah. I I haven't watched a show ever. Which is annoying that that got so big. Last Comic Standing. Goofy. Stupid. Um, it, One of my favorite jokes uh, as a young fellow, what, I remember it was a Greg Giraldo joke, and he was talking about the Contender series. Do you remember what that was? Oh, do I remember that? Yeah, I do. A- that, was an said, awesome, that was an awesome series. And he's like, yeah, the Contender series where we, we watch a contest to find out who's the best boxer. We used to have a program like that. It was called Boxing. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with comedy. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. it's Let alone on America's Got Talent. I, what I will say is I liked some of the comics. on. I liked some of the comics on Last Comic Standing when they... And that makes me like when they it. weren't on Last Comic Standing. That I makes don't mean me like before. It less. I mean before and after sure. both, just not when they were on the show. To, for me, that's the worst part about it is that some good comics were on it. Yeah, that's how I had to learn about Ralphie May was on Last Comic Standing, the same place where I learned about All Due Respect, that fan. Yep, 
Those are two very different comedians. Very different. Gabriel Iglesias was on there. Was Lavelle, he really? Yeah, Lavelle Crockett. He was already big when he went on, though, wasn't he? Um, He was big in like... Physically, he's like, fat. <laughs> he was big in like the Latino world. The Hispanic community all knew who Gabriel was. But I he was actually be. kicked off the show. I want to be big in the Latino world. That's the purpose for the Gallo and the Muertos. Yeah, schools, you so. got to... Yeah, I'm really trying to. Here. Yeah, I'm really trying to get. A, I need a segment somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, so he was kicked off for texting from the show. Gabriel was. Yeah, so he was texting results to people, and he was kicked off because of that. But what I've read and heard was that he did it on purpose to get kicked off the show. Because he knew. Because he was like, okay, I don't, I'm not into this. He like, knew. I don't want to do this. And yeah. he didn't want them to own his soul. So if you get kicked off at a certain point, you're you're on your yeah. own. Yeah, and so John Huck or whatever won. I think so. John Huck. Oh, he was on that? Yeah. I think really? it was him. Yeah. John Huck won one season. I think we he worked won. with John Huck. I did a I did a a terrible charity gig. The charity was good. The gig was terrible. Well, there's never a good charity gig. Yep, and it was my first. Lots of good charities, not a lot of good charity gigs. Not a lot of good charity Pays gigs. Well and this was my first charity gig, so I thought it was gonna be something completely different than it was, and John Huck was part of it. And then I forget, there was another guy closing out that you'd know his name if I told you, Eddie something, like spiky hair, a lot of energy. That's like half, half of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a white dude named Eddie. Yeah. With spi- that's, that's the late 90s is yeah, what that is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Like if you were to tell me, hey, headlining a charity show, what do you picture that guy to look like? White, spiky like, hair, a yeah. lot of energy. Kicks a lot of things, a lot of, lot of air punches, exactly. maybe some, some air guitar. Yeah. Like all, all that safe fine points to a random fun. crowd member pretends they're crazy what do you do an accountant <laughs> yeah. what <laughs> yeah that's that's uh that's charity gig guy right yeah. not that not that i'm better than those guys because i'm not i'm not headlining anything so you know so and and you know why so who am i right america's got talent that's why yeah, that's gonna be my big thing so the magician i'm a new comic let's say i've done like two open mics so i'm a comic in the sense that the way they call themselves comics yeah they're Comedian at comedy. New comic, which I respect. Someone does comedy once, I don't mind them calling themselves a comic. Whatever. You tried it. Call yourself what you want. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a comedy club that they had a they had an open mic every week. And again, I had done it twice. It was a lottery. You had to draw a yes the week before, and then you can go up the week after. I figured out how to game the system and how to basically cheat and get pulled Just up anytime I wanted. Pay the host? No. I just... It's hard. This is going to sound bad. It's hard to live in a world that's dumber than you. A lot dumber than you. Um, I say that to not try to big myself up and say I'm smart. No, I agree. It's really hard to live in a world where you see the Matrix and other people don't, and they think they see the Matrix you don't see. And all it does is piss you off. Every now and then it offers these little perks, like this one. The person who was running the club and the open mic, I watched them. They would create the yes and no slips in front of us. And after watching it for four weeks, I saw how he lazily laid out the yeses and noes. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I just know I picked this portion of the table. I've got a yes. And no one else had caught it. And so it took me, it took me nearly six weeks to get on stage the first time. And then, and then I think five of the next six pulls I got on. So <laughs> now, now you're the house comic. Now I'm, just the, getting pulled I'm the house opener. Now. <laughs> you're the house opener. So I pulled my yes, and then I sh- I show up for this night, and it just so happens that this magician is is here. He's a comedy magician, 
And I didn't know that at first. He was like, he had to be 75 years old. Like this old, long, white-haired guy wearing shiny shit, like glasses, like top hat. You know, like anybody who's like anybody who's older than 55 doing amateur comedy right now is a mess. Yeah. They're a mess. It, you never, one time out of 100, you run into somebody that's either really funny or is like, ah, oh, my grandkids put me up to it. 99 times out of 100, you're dealing with an insane person who's driven <laughs> everyone out of his life or her life by the time you got them and now and now you have to deal with it. And they always sign up first or second. There are so there are kids and grandkids with ruined lives who have cast this man out to die and now and now you and I have to deal now with it. He's your now he's, he's, our, yeah, he's, he's our problem. He's he's our problem. Yeah. That's this guy this night. And he's got he's got a cage with a like a parakeet in it in the lobby. Of course he does. <laughs> now for it this wasn't even part of the act. For this for, <laughs> <laughs> For this open mic, you get four minutes. And when I say four minutes, I mean four. By four and a half, they cut your mic and sh- shout you off the stage. So four minutes. And we're about to go in. So you're in the lobby, and then you go into the showroom. And the manager comes out, takes one look at, at this dude. I think his name was Magic Al. I think that's his name. Like Magic Al or Magic Dan. I'm like almost if he's trying to make it magical. Magic something. Magic Al. Well, I, think I mean, together, is. Magic Al is magical, right? Magic Al. Wow. I'm magical. Hashtag. I know. Hashtag. I know. Facts, I'm bro. Just, just saying. Just saying. Facts. I mean, I'm not a marketing genius, but I'm... Can you point those gaps in my <laughs> deals so that I can get 12 viewers on my next thing? Magic Al. Magical. Is that like to Cal, like Method Man, Magic Al? Okay. I'll yeah. 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 He, Go with that. The manager comes out and sees Magic Al <laughs> with the parakeet, and he just he just points and he goes, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not." And I was like, "And Al's not like us." Where we have like social awareness to know, like we pissed off the guy who's the makes the decisions. I just think it's funny that that guy has probably seen enough of that kind of stuff to be that pissed at it. You know, nope. <laughs> <laughs> or for all the things that he's seen, it just rendered him to one word. Like, no, you don't. You wouldn't believe what I've seen in this place. But no, no. <laughs> Like not, I've I've dealt with so much in this, yeah. but Al doesn't have the social graces that we do. Like if I if he, the guy did that to me, I'd go, oh, I messed up. I sh- should go home, or just have four minutes that has nothing to do with this. Yeah, because you know what you want to do if you're gonna try doing comedy or magic is not be able to read a room. That's right. And so, but magic magic Al says for for lack of the proper name, magic Al says. But I need this is my act. I need this for my act. I'm I'm doing this tonight. And the manager goes, "You are not bringing a parakeet into a live show for 2 hours." And he's like, "I he's like I drove all the way from like somewhere 90 minutes away." He's like, "I drove all the way from wherever for this." And I look outside and there's a it's a gold vehicle. Like not like not like like brownish gold like this not thing. Not pewter. It is Gold, like forty nine. It's like an old, like Oldsmobile jalopy looking. That's exactly what I. That's exactly what. That's exactly what I picture. But because that top, because that's what you picture, you don't think he actually drives that. He does. (laughs) 
He does. <laughs> and the manager goes, all right, you take that thing out to your car and you leave it in there. And then when it's your turn to go on stage, you can come and get the bird. But otherwise, you leave it outside till it's your set. You can bring it in for your set. And then when you're done, you take that cage out back out to your car. And the magician relents and just says, fine. The show starts and they call Magic Al. And Magic Al goes outside to get his bird. Now, what Magic Al doesn't know because they didn't discuss this. They start his time when he walks out to his car. Holy okay. So he walks out to the car, which is in the first spot, luckily. He grabs the cage, walks the cage and the parakeet in through the lobby, in through the back of the club, walks through the hallway, gets to the stage, walks on the stage, sets it on the stool, gets to the mic, says, hello, I am Magic Al, and I am here to, and gets the light. (laughs) That is awesome. He takes the bird out and realizes that he gets the light. He's like, are you serious? Are you serious? Like, and, and he's like, I, I, I haven't even started. And they're like, that's, that is, that's on you. I think he tries to half-heartedly do a trick or say a joke or something like that. <laughs> I just picture somebody really flustered. Angry. Yeah. Doesn't go over well, whatever he did. And then he takes the bird and just fires it into the cage. <laughs> Shuts the cage. Takes it and stomps off stage and walks away. And I've never seen him again. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was delusional. <laughs> God, those are the people. Those are the people. God, I hope his name is Al now. Delusional. That's the name of the episode, I feel like. Oh, God. Hey, yep, those are the people. Those are the people. He's out there somewhere. Just piss. And I wonder if he remembers it or doesn't remember it. Oh, he's got to remember it. There's no way you don't Guys remember like that. Guys like that, though, they never, like, he doesn't have the self-awareness. But also, if he didn't know that his time started as soon as he got up, yeah, then he, chances are that was his first time that that, that happened. You at least remember the first time. Now, he's probably been kicked out of yeah, you know, tons well, of comedy clubs from Tulsa and beyond. Well, but. my guess is that. My guess is that this it was a concession for him to get to this open mic. Like he probably had a, a decent he probably thought things were going okay in the eighties and then the nineties it dried up, but he did a little bit more work in Arkansas and in, you know, in like Oklahoma City and all that. And he does some schools and does he does some charity some, events. Does some charity events, does some corporate things, and then all of a sudden it all just kinda dried up and he's like, Well, I gotta figure out some more stuff. I guess I'll do an open mic in Tulsa. And I don't remember him coming to the lottery, so maybe he just called and said, hey, I'm a renowned magician, and it's Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they're like, yeah, come to our club and do yeah, a spot. Yeah, of course. Why not? Why not? We'll give you four minutes. I would not let a magician on my stage. If I own the club, you know what we do here? You know what we do? You know what that sign says? I let It a, says comedy club. I let a magician on my stage one time. We, we, we at Tembler let one magician open up for a comedian. Who was the comedian? Carlos Mencia. <laughs> Steal that. <you> know? <laughs> Steal that trick, you son yeah, of a bitch. Jesus. No one would do it. He's a comedy criminal. That's and, how comedy. 
<laughs> I'm gonna be here all night with my parrot doing these jokes. Oh, this uh, is your all new the Al jokes. This is Joe Al. <laughs> Joe Al and ease, everybody. Joe Al and ease, yeah. This is the best. It is. Jeez, yeah. That, that's probably the only person. And there's a magic it. owl in every town. He might not do magic. For us in our town, he does jazz. We have a jazz guy. He calls himself a jazz guy. He plays music and country music and. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Every town's got a magic owl. There's, but here's my thing. What what is the end game for that? How many magician comedians are actually out there? Are there is there a few in mm. Vegas I don't know about that maybe that's like the pinnacle? I bet like, you. Like everybody wants a special, right? I, Why do you do comedy? You eventually want a special, but what is what is the end game for a lot of these people? I bet you there are a ton of comedian magicians that make like forty grand a year. That'd be easy to do, mm-hmm. right? Charity gig sometimes. Easy enough. Was. Yeah, you do you do a couple you do you do a run of elementary schools every year <laughs> <laughs> until until they inevitably dig up your past. <laughs> <laughs> you do some charity gigs until they inevitably do a background check on your elementary yep. school gigs, and then and then, then you're you at an open at, mic yep. in Tulsa. Then you end up in Tulsa in the open that, mic. That's yeah. exactly right. You Jeez. got you got like six women pregnant in the seventies. Hopefully, one of them becomes successful. You know, you know what the brutal part is is all of this sounds not fun and it's brutal, right? It's brutal to be that guy. It's brutal be, to be in the room for that. But I still miss it. Like I still just miss. It was. It was so I just much miss fun. It. It's so much more fun to be in the room for that than to be in a conference call that goes well during my day job. Oh yay! I can't tell you how many times we have a conference call about a project and it goes exactly the way we scheduled it to, and I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Totally don't want to kill myself. <laughs> I'd take Magic Al any day. Yeah, that's a good story. That's why it's a great story. We need to look him up. We need to see where we Magic should, Al is. We will look him up. And and we we've got the problem is we got to look up if it, if it's actually Magic Al or Magic Dan. I could just it's be, gotta be Magic Al. I don't even know if he's real. To be honest with you, it could have just been a mirage. <laughs> I could have bumped my head one night in Oklahoma, <laughs> woken up and I just had this thing. That's definitely a possibility. Speaking of open mics, we haven't even gotten to the premises that we've written down recently. Yes. Um, I've only got a couple because I'm actively trying not to write things down it's tough it's just ideas right it's just like okay here's my premise what you know right like and if i don't workshop it i'm not going to write it so i just figured we could talk about an actual premise and you don't have to make a joke out of it. we can just talk about what it came from and and just have fun with talking about topics again which we don't get to do yeah exactly do you want to go first um yeah sure all right. The first one I wrote down, this was a few weeks back, is that it was the anniversary of the LeBron James decision. Yeah, 10 years. And they did a, didn't they do an ESPN 30 for 30 or something like that, or an E60? They did some kind of ESPN special. Like investigative journalism. Like, yeah. It's I the only so. place we do investigative journalism now. <laughs> is for sports. For sports yeah, that's ha- true. Sports that happened back then. Because whatever's going on with Dan Snyder and the Redskins right now, for all the hype, I haven't heard anything about it since the article yeah, came out. Yeah, I just know it's... But God forbid the Chicago Bulls of 1998 or the decision of 2010... Aren't covered. 
Oh my God! They all do, the best sports they, journalists. They've investigated that. it perfectly. <laughs> so they did this ESPN special where they gave the whole rundown of the decision, and they've talked about how move, bad of a move it was for LeBron James and why he was hated and how it offended Cleveland and the other cities so much, and and how people have recovered and repaired the scars. We yeah, that's what we should be talking about are, right now. Recovering from we're punks. The idea, like I was watching this, I was watching this the whole time, and I seemed to be the only perspective because I was only l- watching the TV. But none of the perspectives on the TV were like, "Hey, shut up, <laughs> shut up." He raised two million dollars for the Boys and Girls Club. Is that how much and it then, was? Yeah, Jeez. two million. And then he just went to another city to play basketball. You punk bitches. Yeah, how often do you leave a job, and nobody cares? Not at all. But but unceremoniously, your guy, your guy, the guy who played on the team you like left that team, and he's going to another team that wasn't your team. You're a grown up. <laughs> You're a grown up. Even the people that lived in Cleveland, that I understand, their economy takes a hit if LeBron James leaves. However, if you change tires in Cleveland, I don't know how directly LeBron James going to Miami hurt. <laughs> it's going to hurt you. Hurt your pocketbook. Just change the tire. And is it really your team? Just change the tire. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Be mad at this guy. The kid the kid at the time was was what, like 26, 24? Oh, I think he was like 24. Yeah, I think 24. 24 years old, and the worst mistake of his life was go- moving to Miami. <laughs> it's so unfair. Yeah. How, like, how many dumb things have you done that – not even dumb – how many decisions have you made that you've never had to explain to anybody because nobody gave a shit? Not at all. No, nobody cared. I was a wide. Widely... How many times have you moved? You went from Hershey, Pennsylvania to I don't wherever you're from. <laughs> right. <laughs> to Tulsa. Right. I was right, I was an easy I was an easy to conclude piece of shit human being until I was 26 years old. And I've only been trying to get better ever since. <laughs> He's 24, and his biggest crime was moving to Miami. Moving to Miami. That's not criminal. <laughs> That's practical. <laughs> That's going to be a forever thing. Oh, for, it's going to be a forever thing. That's a forever thing. Like us. That should be the name of our next podcast, <laughs> a, forever, a forever thing. A forever thing. Mm-hmm. I get, no, that's, I can't believe they're even doing a, like, I don't want to watch it. I get it. We don't have anything to watch right now. I'm not watching that. That's half my life now is to look at things that are hot button issues and go, why are you mad at that? Everybody's mad about everything. Everyone's, every, everybody's everyone's mad, mad about everything. I'm mad about everything. So that was the first thing I wrote down. I don't remember what, like, what direction I wanted to go in about it. That's the problem is I just wrote this line down and now it's been a month and a half. And you're like, why? What? I mean, I know what made me angry, but I, don't, I no longer know my angle, which I guess is why I'm supposed to write. Yeah, and but that's you kind of got to take it up on stage and figure it out. But but it's relatable, right? And but people remember it. True, but probably better that I don't have the idea unless it comes back to me. Because how weird would it be to get on stage in November and be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> you remember when LeBron James went to Miami? When was that?" It was in June of 2010. It, it was a decade ago. I understand that half of you guys were like eight. It was a decade and five months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it Here's was what a, Jeremy Schapp had to say about it. It was that. the 10-year anniversary last year. 
<laughs> Topical enough. That was my first one. So uh, my so my first premise idea that I had. Uh, it really comes from. So my whole thing with during during this quarantine time has been, I'm trying to come out of this not talking about quarantine. Yeah. But being in quarantine has made me look at things and observe things that I just haven't had time to do in a while because I just haven't had time to sit down and watch two hours of TV. Right. But now I don't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, some one in one of the rabbit holes that I recently went down has been watching 90s pro wrestling. Yes. So, is I've had Netflix eight years now, right? I have Disney Plus, I have Hulu, I and I have some Mexican channel that I don't even like. Didn't ask for. Yeah, I don't know how I got it. Right? I have HBO. I have all these little subscription services that I think I'm gonna use. Right? Mm-hmm. On a whim, on a complete whim, I got WWE Network. Because I was listening to a podcast where somebody was talking about a match from the 90s, and it made me feel a little nostalgic. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get WWE Network for the month, and at the end of the month, I'll cancel it. I've watched more documentaries on WWE Network in two weeks than I've watched Netflix the whole year. How many? Not even kidding. So they have a lot of docs on the wrestlers? Oh, they're amazing. They're good production, too? They're good. They're awesome. How much a month is WWE Network? $9. Fuck, that's a lot, though. And... You get uh, you get all the free pay per views. Holy shit! So the, the remember those thirty dollars pay per views we couldn't afford when we were younger. Yeah. We get the, you get those for free. You used to have to go. There was like one in in your in your parents' circle of friends. There was like one guy who would get the pay per views. You'd have to go to that guy's. You had to house. go to that guy's house and play with their wrestling buddies with the you know it was a whole. Creepy, <laughs> it was a whole, it was a whole thing. thing. It was I, I, yeah. It was looking back. I probably repressed a few things. <laughs> uh, so what I have written down, and the funny thing is I didn't necessarily start writing word for word this, uh, but my thought is I'm watching this and I'm having to explain to my daughter what's actually going on. And I didn't realize how weird it is to explain pro wrestling to anybody who's not into pro wrestling. Yes. Right? And so I, the only thing I really have written down is uh, – how do I explain to my kids that the reason with the guy with the snakes hit the guy <laughs> coming out of the coffin was because he hit his friend <laughs> who carries the two by four, <laughs> who actually gotten, <laughs> who's really upset because he punched his other friend, the sumo wrestler, when they were trying to get out of that cage three months ago. Oh my god! And From- it makes absolutely no sense. But just hopefully, I have enough in there where it's like. I say enough about the wrestlers or you're like, I know exactly who that is. If you're nostalgic about that kind of stuff, but just in general, the thought that how do you explain this to somebody who isn't into this? Such a good nugget from top to bottom, even just to explain the undertaker. If Camila were to say, daddy, what, what's that guy's deal? Oh, he's dead, (laughs) but he, but he comes back to, he comes out of the coffin back to life. And he does it every Monday. Every Monday. <laughs> and we're always surprised. <laughs> we're always surprised when he sits up. He's been dead for 31 years. <laughs> and climbs out of the coffin he's every Monday. He's been dead longer than Grandpa. He's, like... he's been dead so long his manager actually died. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> And didn't come dead. back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where I was going with it is just, hey, here's in, in its premise, but I guess I'll, I'll try to walk through what my thought process is when putting something together like this is I'm trying to do 
I try to touch a couple different things, which is for people who are into it, I want them to understand who the characters are without me actually having to say their names, right? You knew it was Undertaker. I didn't say his name. I'm a hillbilly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so those people who are fans are going to be like, I know exactly what he's talking about. And those people who aren't are going to be like, that sounds insane, but yeah. I know kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So it's kind of different angles where it's like, hopefully I can stream this together and it sounds ridiculous. And like, why am I thinking of Kid Rock right now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean The Rock? No, Kid Rock. Like Kid Rock was his, uh, was the Dead Man's like his his remix, entry, or was it Limp Biscuit? It was Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Okay, it was yeah. Limp Biscuit. And even that, like, I may add something now that you think about it. But here's the thing: they couldn't come out until their music came on. Yeah, <laughs> like it was very specific. <laughs> Maybe that's why comics like pro wrestling yeah. so much. But also, like, it's and this is actually part of what I like. Uh, about the podcast I do with my daughter is things don't sound crazy until you try to actually explain it to a kid and get their feedback, right? Yeah. And it's like, wait, their music comes on. Yeah, but we don't know they're coming. But who plays the music? Did that person know they were coming? And why isn't he telling everybody else that this person's coming out? So it's kind of silly, but at the same time... And you know what we should do is actually, if we actually turn these into bits... Uh, yeah. Is actually play them, bring this back, and then actually play what they oh, turn that into. Would be, that would be cool. Right? We should be do fun. that. It, and even more, when you think of it from a from an un, a kid's or an unknowing person's brain to go, wait a minute, these two are fighting. They don't come out until their music is played. They just walked out of the same place. Yeah. Did they not pass each other in the hall? Why would they wait? Yeah. Why would they wait to get to the ring if they hate each other <laughs> so much? They're not getting paid anymore, yeah. according to the records. Yeah, according to records. Mm -hmm. uh, but just the whole thought of like having to – like so many things sound silly. So many things. Like but even s explaining something that is already silly. Yes, Right? And then taking that, and what I'm trying to do is just give enough of information as I try to explain it that you can tell who the characters are if you're a fan. Yep. Uh, but step back and say, actually, that that is actually really stupid. Like, I think you might have your next episode whether to try to explain wrestling. Yeah, I may too. have to. Yeah, I, maybe that might be the next episode. That's amazing. So because no one no one knew wrestling was fake until the '90s. People people thought it was real until the '90s. How old were you when you figured out it was fake? I think it was already known as. I think it was already known as fake after I came into consciousness about wrestling. I think I came in about like seven, eight, nine years old, and it was like a year or two before then when the whole... Because you know the story about how it came out, right? No. Okay. The, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think this is exactly what happened. Hulk Hogan got arrested. Um, Hulk Hogan and someone else were pulled over in a car. I, no, it was the... It was the Iron Sheik and the Ultimate Warrior, I think it was, were arrested with cocaine possession because they were pulled over. And when this came out in the news, everybody in the mainstream public heard this and said, wait a minute. They're supposed to be fighting. Why would they be in the same car? <laughs> They're fighting at WrestleMania. Next and there week. was a steroid scandal. And so people had to come out and finally say just say for real that wrestling was fake. But and that's when they started calling it entertainment. Entertainment. And that's when kayfabe was broken. Just like, you know, kayfabe, right? What is kayfabe? It's some, it's some pro wrestling insider term of basically like keep the secret that it's, oh, this is a so work. So we keep, we never bring down that, that it, fourth wall or third wall or whatever the case is, right? That's right. 
So it wasn't until then that people on the large scale knew that it was fake. But then we learned it was fake, and people are still like getting paper, spending fifty dollars for pay per view this weekend. How come? Because the Ultimate Warrior's fighting Shawn Michaels, <laughs> but but it's fake. But we don't know who's going to win. We don't know who's going to win. It's yeah, but a bunch of people know who's going to win. <laughs> it's soap opera for Hillbilly. They haven't told us is, yet. Right? Actually, I went online. I found out it was going to be Shawn Michaels that wins, but I haven't seen him do it yet. Well, the cool thing about and so what I will say is I am not a, I'm not a fan of pro wrestling today. I, no. I, I'm a fan of being nostalgic. I'm That's, a fan of going back to the 90s and being too. like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But what I will say is these documentaries are amazing. There's a whole hour documentary on the Ultimate Warrior and what a huge asshole he was. <laughs> <laughs> and, what a and, good sentence. And, and maybe it's because I because we do comedy that maybe it might hit you a certain way. Yep. Uh, because all the other all the, all the other wrestlers who they interview were like, yeah, that guy was a one trick pony. He was just really charismatic, but. When you got in the ring with the guy, you had to make him look good. Like he had no skills at all, but he just got the, you know, he got people going. Yeah. And it reminds me so much of comedy where it's like, I was just saying this. Where it's like, wait, you, people haven't realized you haven't told a joke in eight minutes, right? Or like you don't have, there's nothing there. Yep. And the people around you have to make you look better. And pick it up or drag whatever it is they have to do to surround you. That's the ultimate warrior. Or industry darlings, where what I said was it seems like back in the day, the industry, like agents and festivals and networks and all that, they used to say, get really good at this and we'll make you popular. And now they seem to say, get really popular and we'll make you good. That's ex- Yep. We'll make you good and enough. Ultimate warrior. Ultimate warrior. He got really popular. Because he didn't even have charisma. He was an idiot, but no. he had the face paint and he was jacked. And yeah, he had the and power so bands. and so. There's this whole thing about how before WrestleMania, which is his biggest match of all time, he actually refused to go out until Vince McMahon agreed to give him an extra five hundred thousand dollars. So he actually held Whoa. up the whole event in the back. Wow! I know comics that would do that, right? Yeah. Like I know people who would do that. I know comics who have eight minutes of material. That are like you're only you're only paying me twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, you're and, not paying. Me. No, you pay you pay for my art. And I feel like the uh, like trying to find the re- your wrestling gimmick. Yeah, like trying to find because what what I've realized through watching a lot of these documentaries is like Stone Cold Steve Austin was three different things yeah. before he was Stone Cold and Steve two Austin. Two of them, two of them were handsome as shit. <laughs> yeah, he had like the hair, long back then, blonde right? hair. Yeah. And so it's like. It reminds me so much of comedy where it's like you keep doing your a thing until you figure out your thing yep. that either makes you happy or makes you successful. Yeah. But it takes a while to figure and it's so so it's funny how like looking at that from that lens is like, oh, we're actually uh, we're actually close. I mean, obviously, we're not body slamming each other yet. Well, uh, yeah. Speak for yourself. Yeah, yet. You've um, seen my new act. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Al. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a whole uh, wrestling <laughs> wrestling thing that I that my whole premise. I'm gonna stick with that for a little bit. I love just talking about there. wrestling because yeah, I didn't even think of the I didn't think of wrestling documentaries, but I may buy the WWE app just to have the old wrestling promos. Uh, oh, so that's actually one of my favorite things is old wrestling promos, right? Because the, there, I feel like there's a correlation between how good you were at your promos. And 
how successful you were, right? Because it's from looking at it, it's like you have to have it's fifty percent charisma and mic skills, fifty mm-hmm. percent moves, right? That's comedy, mm-hmm. right? It's fifty percent charisma, mic skills, everything else, fifty percent jokes. Yeah. Right? And there's people who are really good at jokes and they suck at everything else, and there's people who are really good at everything else and suck at jokes. Suck at jokes, yeah. Right? And then you have Hulk Hogan, like me, no I'm kidding. <laughs> who has a little bit of everything and it's a perfect storm <laughs> of success. Yeah. So I don't And you know what the worst part is? As much as you hate that ultimate warrior story, is if your life was on the line and you needed to put together a lineup and you had one spot left and your only two choices were somebody who did jokes really well and sucked at everything else or someone who did everything else really well and sucked at jokes, you got to go with the guy who suck, who sucks at jokes yep. and is good at everything yeah, else. Yeah, good at everything else. Because at least there'll be a master of ceremonies for eight minutes and you can get through and the show. Can, yep, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that Warrior documentary actually shed light on like, he would like cancel on Make-A-Wish things. Wow. So like there was a couple of occasions and I know we weren't here to talk about the ultimate warrior. Oh uh, yeah, that's exactly why I was here. <laughs> but uh they would actually have to hire other wrestlers to, to put on the oh, the thing man. so that the kids aren't disappointed. Like I want to meet Ultimate Warrior and it's like another wrestler dressed as the Ultimate what Warrior. What did that look like? Jeez. Imagine the first kid who got Dusty Rhodes in there. It's like <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate warrior is fat and he keeps talking about hard times. <laughs> it's hard times. Hard times. Hard times. So that, that that was my whole premise is uh is just kind of going down that that rabbit hole of having to explain wrestling to people. That's fantastic. Yeah. I I kind of just I kind of just want to talk wrestling for 2 hours. I know. Because uh because I have been watching YouTube videos on the Montreal screw job with Bret Hart. Mm. I I fantastic story so this just goes maybe speaks to our personality yeah. a little bit but like after i got the network i started listening to podcast it's just been a rabbit hole yep right and you dive in yeah and actually so i learned this uh the undertaker never did interviews or any media stuff because he felt it would take away from his character nice so despite having the opportunity to do so and making more money he felt like it would take people out of his character fascinating guy or taker as they call taker, him in the business yeah. In the business. <laughs> this this next one I had is not it's not a premise as much as just something that I've noticed because I listen to podcasts and some of them some of them are podcasts that are actually radio shows that they distill down to podcast yeah. form. You and I do comedy. You and I know what it's like to have that that deep breath in the car before you do something that you know is gonna be really bad and soul sucking. Yep. Right before you go open for Roy Ashburn. You're like, you lose, you die, you die a little bit. It's going to be bad. There's a little bit of death, right? There's a little, just, you lose your soul. You go into a venue and you find out it's a strip club and there's four people in the audience and they thought it was going to be a strip club. (laughs) This happened to me months ago. And you just, you just kind of, even if there's not a mirror there, you look at yourself in a figurative mirror and you go, oh God, like what, how did it all go wrong? How did it all come to this? But also, like, you got to pull it all together. You, you're just, you're just, it's a secrecy, right? I am <laughs> on the road again. <laughs> Here I am talking about my dick in front of strangers. Again. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it. That's how turn the page. <laughs> like you bring your notebook out. <laughs> turn, the, turn the page. I've found so I'm fascinated by soul sucking moments. <laughs> <laughs> Areas of of other art forms and expressions where you look at that and you go, oh, I can tell that's rough. Like oh, as an actor, as an actor, when you've got to do like green screen work and interact with a cartoon you're watching the movie you're like this is a great job but for us we can't help but peel back the curtain and go this guy is dressed in a green suit with a bunch of balls hanging off his face yelling at no one with a whole set full of people staring at him yep um and it's an indie film so he got paid 19 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he's taken back in bro he, he worked out a door deal i think i found no other moment that that i imagine that deep breath soul sucking breath having to occur than actors for radio commercials have you ever heard voice actors for radio commercials no i'll top you i actually listen did a radio commercial i did one with you if that's what you're talking about no i've done a few you and i've done a radio skit together i'll remind you in a second but if you get a chance go home tonight and just look up geico radio commercials (laughs) and it is if you want to hear the most painful voice acting because they can't, there's no visual. So they have to take all the visual corniness, which comes over well. And they've, got, and they've got to distill it to audio. And oh my God. It's brutal. Oh, it's, I feel, I mean, they're getting paid, so good for them. But I can feel it in my bones that when, the, when I can't even do the, the vo- but you just got to look it up. And it is gut-wrenching to listen to. And I can picture them sitting in their old Ford Focus in the parking lot just being like, Going into the studio, some some interns about to, just going. God, I just gotta. You don't just, think they strip it from actual video? No, no, really? they de- they definitely don't. Uh, you could feel it in their you voice. You can feel like it in I'm, the voice. Like that I've heard that. I think that person's they, dying. I think they have a she shed audio version. It's like I gotta get me a she shed, and it's oh. like, oh, dude, because there's no subtlety that you can use. There's only audio, and it's only you know 15 seconds. Yeah. So subtlety's out the window. So you have to, it's all that. Like a Zoom. Like doing something, on, it's going to be like Zoom. It's going to be like yeah, Zoom. It's going to be like were Zoom. Were you about to say, were you about to talk on something else? I, I thought you no, were You were I don't think so. speaking on something in the middle. Of, no? Okay. No, I'm good. Thank you. So that's, that, that's no premise, but when you get a chance, Geico radio commercials and just listen to those and it's like, ooh. Brutal. That sounds like a long day for making a paycheck. <laughs> Long day. Yeah. Hot I'm sure times. it is. Hot, Hot times. times. Um I have one that's just uh just just a sentence. Yeah. Wait, were you done with yours? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Uh I think arranged marriages <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to bring more pizzazz to them. Like I think they for one, they sound fun. Yep. Right? At least less uh less pressure on me right but you know how they do unboxing commercial things on youtube i think they should do that for for unbox your wife (laughs) unbox your your significant (laughs) other and be like oh what does this one come with Uh, oh this one comes with an attitude problem okay (laughs) uh manufacturer didn't tell me about that okay all right what do we got next what do we got next okay this one uh this one doesn't like little uh little this one no personality. Wow. Okay. <laughs> let's see my let's unbox my husband here. Oh wow, this one comes with mommy attachment <laughs> issues. 
<laughs> well, kids just, do like the YouTubes where they they don't know what's inside of the box. Yeah, and they right? get like billions of views. Yeah, they're making like millions and millions of dollars doing this, and I'd like to see an arranged marriage version of that, where right. it's like you're either the guy unboxing the woman or vice versa, right? Yeah. Um, what a great skit. Yeah, it could be. It's probably more of a skit what than a great an actual. Skit. Than an actual. It would take know, some resources. No, yeah. I I like it in stand up to describe it, because to to do it in sketch form that it's gonna take some work. Oh, a box. A box like having. <laughs> We're fit gonna need a box. All the angle changes so you could pretend <laughs> you're opening someone. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's that it, Jake. The Jake's toys works. For Don't it. let us bore you with the industry deets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help that now. I was just watching a movie with the girlfriend last night, and she's like, "God, why is it? Why would it be? So? We were watching a horror movie." And and she's like, why would it be so bright in there? And I was like, because it's it's a motherfucker to film in low light. You can't That's do it. That's why. Yeah. And and they probably had a thirty thousand dollar budget and they ran out. Yep. And and, and I said to her, it's just like my last sketch. <laughs> it's just like that. You, a Netflix movie is just, just like my like four it. minute sketch. And do you they, ever they steal? Used a, they used they used a living room lamp. <laughs> do you ever try to steal shots? I find myself thinking about that more than ever, which yeah. is like. Uh, I watched a show or something where the guy opened the fridge and the vantage point was from in the fridge. Yeah. And I was like... Good, good one. I was like, oh, that camera's in the fridge. Like, or, or a camera follow... Like when a camera follows a person but keeps the parallelism of where they are in the frame. One shot, just I, a one shot. So there's actually a... Go, uh, ooh, good one. There's a... Well, well two things, I guess, um, just on those particular shots. True Detective... Okay. Has an amazing, I think it's like an eight minute shot. That's one shot, hmm. meaning like, and the scenes change, but you just one follow a different character kind yep. of a thing. Yep. Uh, same thing with 1917, which was the whole not necessarily nostalgia. Is that the war the movie? One. Yeah, I hated it. You you didn't like it? The one with no dialogue. No, it's not the one I'm talking No, no, you're talking Dunkirk. I I hated it. No, no, this one, it's better than Dunkirk. I hate those things that we have to say are good. Yeah, I didn't like Dunkirk. Which brings me to, I didn't realize that your walk-up song for stand-up comedy was from Hamilton. Yeah, it's been... Speaking of things that I feel like we have to say are good. I haven't watched it yet, but everything I've seen of it, I've been like, I I don't... I mean, it's not for me, because I'm uncultured swine. Uh, I think it's going to be for you. The, The 90s rap, the 90s... The '90s fake, like a, a '90s corporate white dude rap alone, it drives is I'm out. Okay. So they they've got to win me over. I watched a YouTube video of Juan Manuel Miranda, yeah, doing the Hamilton rap on a talk show, and people being amazed that he could do the rap he wrote, and he did it in the way that you would expect him to say a rap. And okay. I'm like, I, fu- I, I I'm sure this is I'm sure this is glorious. I can't. Can Can I give you a counter? Go ahead. Okay. So much like stand up, right? If I told you to just d- tell a joke, right? Yeah. You're going to tell me your joke, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not the right setting. Okay. And I'm telling you to tell it to me. And you're not going to do give it the same pizzazz. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be watching it from a certain vantage point as an audience member, right? And here's what I'll say about Hamilton. Individually, everything sounds silly. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's Alexander Hamilton, right? Silly. Right. Oh, it's rapping. Okay, that's kind of corny. That's kind of silly. Right. I don't like musicals. It's well. See, I, I'm always. I've always been a fan of musicals. That's see, but musicals, nothing. silly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sounds silly. I think if you watch this, 
you're going to be surprised if, especially since we're talking about camera angles, the way they shot this in, uh, and it's hard to describe, mm-hmm. but there's a spinning stage. Oh, okay. And the characters, depending on where they're at inside of the. What app is it on? Uh, it is on Disney Plus. Okay. I think I have that. I have ESPN. <laughs> yeah. You, um, if you have, yeah, you should then. Okay. Uh, but it is, it is. We've always. It's awesome. It's, 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 it's a good watch. We've always debated who's going to kill themselves first. And me. I think, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's now been settled that it's going to be me. Because you won't watch Hamilton? Because you like musicals, which means there's still some joy in your heart or at least the longing for it. I, You're going to uh, outlast me, brother. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I knew I should have liked musicals. Uh, I actually am a pretty big fan of musicals, oddly enough. I could see I, it. I, uh, I, I have the soundtrack to Rent on CD. I could see it. I, have, uh, I, I was listening to Hamilton when Hamilton first came out, and it w- it's been my walk-up music mm-hmm. for I don't even know how long. Um but it was kind of before the way it's just I couldn't afford to go watch Hamilton. Right? I wasn't going to Yeah, it was like nine them. million dollars a ticket. Yeah, and I was just like, Okay, I'm I'm not gonna do that. But the way they film it, um, actually I think it's probably better to watch on Disney Plus versus actually going to see it because strategically they they use the cameras to tell the story. Okay. Uh but I'll try it. But you're you're gonna have to try it and you're gonna have to you're gonna. Ha- we'll review it. Here's my question. But you got to give it an honest shot. Here's gotta, my question you gotta to you. Give it your shot. Here's my question to you. What's up? Do you want this to be the next thing you put your name on? Because you remember the last thing you put your name on for me. Cereal. Yeah. Which was okay. It started strong. Season two and three, not so much. Right. Do you do you want the next thing? Are you comfortable making it this? I'm not. Because gonna- I'll give it. I'll give it a fair, this is my best friend shot. I am not going to throw away my shot. I will put my name on this. <laughs> That'll make sense later. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think, and, and here's, here's kind of what I like about it as well, is just I enjoy watching talented people do whatever it is that they're talented at. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lynn, I get it, like the, the guy who, who plays Hamilton, he's fine. He's good. He wrote the thing. Very creative. Everybody else, though, like the guy who plays George Washington, the guy who actually pl- there's a guy who plays two. Two characters in it. Okay. Everybody else is flat out amazing. Mm. Like these are people you can watch and you're like, if these people wanted to do stand up comedy, they could. So who plays Hamilton? Uh, Linda. He does play. Yeah, so he plays Hamilton. Oh, but so why would they be amazed he could do the rap that he does? I don't know. Talk- I hate talk shows. I hate bullshit. <laughs> I hate I hate scripted like or planned bullshit. Man, that sucks. Yeah, so he they plays Hamilton. Six minutes of my day. But the guy who shoots Hamilton, spoiler alert, Aaron Burr. <laughs> uh, he actually spoiler has, alert. He has the best, in my opinion, the best. Like if I had to play a part, that's the part I okay. want to play. Here's my last because we're we're well past an hour now. Here's my last. I don't know if it's premise, but just a thought I had because. I was having some issues with my pool vacuum. Um, it wasn't vacuuming the way I was hoping it would. And also, I'm I'm not a man or handy, so I've been afraid to touch my pool filter since I moved into the house. So it's just backed up. It's been seven months. <laughs> I just don't. It's I've got solar, so I just don't turn it off 
for as long as it's on and I just let it run. But I noticed it was starting to pick things up slower. So I'm like, all right, I got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. I went on YouTube and this glorious man, who I call dad now, (laughs) took five minutes and showed me how to use everything on my filter pump, turn it off, backwash it. Do, just do all the shit and I went out and I was like oh this isn't so bad or scary I just had to watch a generous man walk me through delicately <laughs> how to do it and then I realized and I made a post about it. I, I think I made a post that said like shout out to all the all the grown-ups who had to learn to do anything before YouTube because I realized yeah you did I, I read it I'm 34 years old. When I was 22 or three years old, I learned how to tie a tie on YouTube. The double Windsor knot. Not bragging. Life's good. <laughs> the double Windsor knot. I learned how to change my headlights for a very difficult vehicle. YouTube. I've learned how to do just about everything at the house here from YouTube. And I started to think, should we... Considering that YouTube exists in the way it exists for as long as it has, should we even allow dads to be dads traditionally anymore? Well, it's definitely a lot easier. But should you let, should, should we do, like in the, in the animal kingdom, most dads of the animal kingdom, they, they impregnate the woman and then they go off and leave it alone. <laughs> should we start to shift to that model? Because... And then none, if, if we do, my dad was ahead of his time. <laughs> he was an early adopter. And then nominate a council of like six men to play our dads and just cut a like the rock fucking other people. Bob Vila, if he's still around. Like virtual dad. Virtual dads. So like not only do we we've got tutorials on how to do everything from just any generally anybody. But then when it comes to dad knowledge, like the birds and the bees and in the delicate stuff just get a council of five or six people like i said the rock could be one because it'd be good to come from him and, and everybody would accept it and and five others to just come out with a 10 to 30 minute video on like all right you're going to college this is what you need to get ready for first time you, you know it's prom and you, and you might have sex here's what you get ready for it's it, and the birds and the bee and just and dad's just just on the outside and then you can have people who are actually good at those things exactly because at this point i know your dad as a man that has a podcast with his daughter (laughs) considering what youtube offers and the type of potential idols that we have in this age of scrutiny we've still got a dozen people who are seem to be almost above it seem we haven't found anything bad about them yep at this point considering the resources we have couldn't you only ruin it by dabbling? Yeah. I'm with it. I right? like it. I like the idea. YouTube can teach you everything. And there's se- Barack Obama. Could it be a subscription? For if if you could go like if every time like when your kid's twelve and she asked you a question, you're like, God, that's a tough one. But Obama did a video about it. And let's just bring him up. And then go like, hey, if you have questions, I'll fill in the blanks. But let's let Obama take this one. And then I'll just kind of pepper around it if you've got follow-up questions. I like it. I think it, I think we should cut it from this so we could actually start, hashtag, <laughs> start getting some people that hashtag, experts and fathers. No new dads. Hashtag no new dads. Yeah. Like you already have kids, so you're grandfathered in. But if I had a kid today, 
I got to kind of hang out on the outside and let this kid go through a curriculum of fatherhood. And then I can pop in every once in a while to give some nuggets and be evaluated based on those nuggets, whether I'm allowed to stay around or not. Can we sell this? Yeah. That would be very entrepreneurial. Yeah. <laughs> we can call it you, dude. <laughs> you, dad. You don't, you're not afraid that these kids would grow up like I'm, maybe a little bit dysfunctional. I'm working on a bit right now where I'm like, I'm anti-parent. Once you get to a certain age, I think, man, I'm so glad. I've been waiting to say this for a while. And I didn't say it on another podcast I was on because it's I know it sounds controversial, but just for, just understand that this is an unarticulated thought. It's more a feeling. And it'll be a little, uh, at least a little bit unconventional. And it's a generalization, so it's not everybody. It's not even most. It's probably not even some. With that considered, I am so glad for these Karen videos that the world is being turned on to what middle-aged white women are doing out there, who, who these women are. Yeah. Because I was raised by one. So it's I like, know I was, ra- <laughs> I was raised by one of these and fuckers. And it it, it's I I don't like down like it's almost like biological. I don't like moms or dads. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of parents and ge- just the general idea. There are of course parents that I love, but the generality of parents. When I think of uh, now, some people have good mo- mom memories, but when I think of a mom in general, like at this age, at 34, when I think of a 58 year old mom or a 48 year old mom. The thought that comes to my head is a woman stomping away from a family at a theme park who's trying to, who's trying to make her feel better. That's what I think of when I think of I think of a mom getting angry at a group of people who are not appreciating her. Or when I think of a dad, I think of a dad giving advice that it's going to take 22 years to unravel as being incorrect. Yeah. That's what I think. That, and that's exactly what it is. It's annoying as shit. And it's it's it, if you didn't love the this person unconditionally, once you hit the age of twenty four, you're out. They're out. What like, what are you adding? <laughs> that's right. And think just think about how many of those conversations, like of friends that you know, that's like, yeah, my, mom's upset. She just feels like I. She just feels like I don't appreciate her the way but I. But it's tough because you don't want to be, you know, like mm-hmm. confrontational. Confrontational. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I don't think you realize that the last five minutes I've just been giving you a bunch been of s- owl puns. I realize that when... <laughs> wait, have you been saying more? The last five minutes, that's all I've been doing. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. He's a dad and he's an asshole. <laughs> that's it. Da- I'm just a little unconventional. That's what I think dads are here for is to be an asshole. Because... because 80% of the time when a dad's being an asshole, you're like, oh, God, here comes dad. Well, here's what I'll counter. Every once in a while, you're at McDonald's and the clerk didn't treat you right. And then you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what dad does. Is the is the exchange rate worth that? Or do you just walk out without the French fries and then have a nice time at your house? That's what I would do. I think, right? I think. I like it. I think we should do dad. I, did you say controversial? Controversial. Did, did you say controversial? I did. You're a jerk, man. I also I was trying to unconventional. I was really sharing something with you, and you just, you. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you're just, yeah, yeah, I get it. But me, 
<laughs> You're gonna listen back to this and be like, that oh, mother, <laughs> like that John Oliver show. And now me, me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me your last goddamn premise before we get out of here. All right. So what I got is, I'm trying to choose. Uh, you know what? Uh, I've been thinking about this, uh, and actually, it may kind of bleed into what you were just talking about. Um, fatherhood, uh, being a, a man. And, but what I will say is you might've, I remember an old bit that was kind of similar, but it's, it's kind of a new take. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar, but here's the thing. It'll be me saying parallel that, thinking. So. <laughs> and I had the nerve to fire one in my old lady. So no, I'm taking so, it. Men's mental health. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right, like that's how come dads get a bad name. It's because nobody ever cares about what dad thinks, right? Yeah. At all. You know how you get dads to show up to anything? You make it a dad or a, a dad daughter thing. They show up for the daughter. You're yeah, a plus they, one. they show up for the daughter You're for sure, right? <laughs> Nothing's about us. But I often think I uh, admittedly have a temper problem. Right. Everybody in my life says I need to calm down sometimes. I've, I've, which is amazing because I've never seen you express. I mean, not anger a lot, but I've never seen you actually express that anger in a in a temper problem. Well, here's the thing: it's small things. You should have kids with it, me. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll get you the app. I'll get you the data app. So you can raise them that Thank way. Thank you. No, it's. Uh, it, I've been thinking about this a lot. Is it's little things that set me off, right? Like, I can lose my house tomorrow, right? I can lose my job tomorrow, and I don't think that'll really send me over the edge, yeah. right? Because that's just something you just bear. That's just some, that's a life thing, right? Yeah. It's little things. It's like somebody cutting me off in traffic. It's losing my keys, and I have no idea where they are. It's losing my bank card. It's all these little tiny things that just send me over the edge and it will ruin the rest of my day. Okay. But I'm just wondering how much of that is for 34 years I've been on this planet, not a single person has ever asked me genuinely, all right? You doing okay? <laughs> How you doing, man? How you doing? You okay? Hey, what are you thinking, yeah. right? What are you thinking, right? No one uh, lets you get emotional. Yeah, like... <laughs> I uh like and I think comedy sometimes come it comes from a place of truth, right? And yeah. kind of looking and observing oneself. But I want to turn that into something on stage, which is like yeah. I haven't fallen asleep with a, without a podcast on or something on in the background. Mm. And it annoys people. Yeah. Right? It's I like, hey, it I don't I don't want to listen to that, but here's the thing. I pay for this. <laughs> I can't be alone with my own thoughts because I like it's stress. Yeah. Right? It's it, much like the skit you just recently did where it's like you lay down and it's everything. Everything just falls on you yep. and you don't have anyone to tell about it mm -hmm. and no place to let it go until that one guy cuts you off in traffic and you yeah. absolutely you know, you do something that makes you look crazy, and then now you're crazy. But it's like, yeah. no, how about we start asking dudes, hey, man, you okay? But And that's <laughs> the problem is you're thoughtful. So you're not just downloading that shit to someone else's head every day. Because if you let that off of your brain, 
the person you let that off of it becomes their burden would be a a pool of dread and then you'd be cuz i've got those people in my life i've got people that i've got people that i've got to learn their schedule so that i know when to answer their phone call because they'll call at a certain moment and they've got they've got eight things that they want to just hammer on yep and i'm just like uh, okay, okay and then we get done the call like all right <laughs> gonna go hang out have a drink and i'm like oh, thanks for ruining I've, my day i've got an existential <laughs> dread of humanity <laughs> in my belt yeah great you just you just took you just threw all your problems out of your head and into <laughs> mine have a good night and i get it that like your your close people are the ones you're supposed to be able to vent to and all that but every once in a while you run into that person that just hits you with the machine hey how's your day going well actually <laughs> 45 minutes of problems God, I'm glad and, you asked. and what they think about the world that's yeah. completely different than you and just beating your face in and it, you just had a full day of work too and a life and a family and you're like oh all right well, I guess I'll just take those also. <laughs> Have a good night. Thanks for handing me the baton. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I was lugging all this I was lugging all this baggage to my to my bed anyway. I guess I could take yours <laughs> since I'm on the way. Yeah, there there's two extremes, right? It's either you you're okay because you tell everybody everything, or not enough people are asking you. I you know, and so you try to just Yeah. But I, I wanted to I wanna turn that observation into hopefully something funny. And bring it in, really have it climax into mm. have <laughs> into something sexual. Yeah, <laughs> have it some have it climax into. Oh yeah, that would be crazy if yeah. I didn't know every like a build up kind of a thing where it's like here's why I would lose it on the freeway. Because that day, this, and then this, and then this, and then guess what? Since I've been born, literally nobody's asked me how I'm doing. Yeah. And I have to go. It's a funny take on that. And I realize this is not going to sound funny on on a podcast. No, it's not supposed to. Yeah, it's not supposed to. But it's like, I want to take that thought of, of looking at myself and being like, why can't I sleep at night? Yeah. Like, why am I stressing out too much and... Who do I tell about this? I'm conflicted because you're right. People don't ask us how we're doing. But also, I know a lot of men <laughs> and good. No one should be asking most of these people how they are. Number one, because they're idiots. <laughs> number two. They're imbeciles. Number two, imbeciles. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, because they're some of the few people who can solve their shit, but just don't. <laughs> you know? Like, if my girlfriend's got an issue, like, someone is, like, demeaning me. I'm like, okay. I know people who are, like, 6'6", 280, and, the, and I'm like, hey, you can solve this. But anyway... <laughs> The other thing is that, and I think I said this is number one, but these guys are idiots, a lot of them. <laughs> and and it's just like when, it's just like you have to be very selective in from whom you solicit feedback because most people, if you ask them for an answer, they're going to give you one whether they have one or not. Good point. If you ask these dipshits how they feel, they're going to tell you and they're just going to make it up. <laughs> 
Because they don't know the shit they're supposed to know, let alone the intrinsic stuff. Yeah, it's true. You ever, you ever go to a retail store and go, hey, why is that TV better than that TV? And you watch his, you watch his eyelids shit as he lies to you. you, you yes, sir, that's right. You watch his brain process him lying to you, and you know that information's not right, and he just does it anyway. What do you think that guy's going to do if you ask him how he feels? Because <laughs> neuroscientists don't know what's going on in the brain. If he, if he can't tell you the shit he's supposed to know, knock it dead. What do you think he's going to tell you about his feelings? He doesn't deserve to be heard. That's, that's how I feel about it. Uh, does it ever... I think we should ask everyone else how they feel less <laughs> <laughs> to even it out. I have this kind of a, a silly thought, but isn't it scary to think that neuroscience is the brain studying itself? Ooh. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good that's one. That's a thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that idea is deep universal <laughs> good night everybody <laughs>